0: The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who do his precepts have good understanding. Our text for our sermon is the gospel history according to St. Matthew as recorded in chapter 21, verses 28 through 32. What do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered, I will not. But later he changed his mind and went. He came to the second and said the same thing. The second son answered, I will go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said to him, the first. Jesus said to them, Amen, I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, but you did not believe him. However, the tax collectors and prostitutes did believe him. Even when you saw this, you did not change your mind and believe him. This is the word of our Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, since about 300 AD, some of the greatest known preachers in the Christian church at that time became confused about this text and made it that one son was the Gentiles and the other son was the Jews, which kind of twists the context. So to understand our context, we have to understand it's Holy Week. In fact, it's Tuesday of Holy Week. So Jesus had already cleared the temple of the money changers and everything. He'd already touched that fig tree that wasn't bearing fruit and cursed it. And the chief priests and elders come to him with a big question because they're angry at a lot of the things he's doing. And we got to remember, these are some of the people that are plotting the murder of Jesus. The rest of our context can be taken care of simply by reading verses 23 through 37. When Jesus went into the temple courts, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him while he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Jesus answered them, I will ask you one question. If you answer it, I will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John. Where was it from? From heaven or from men? They discussed it among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Then why did you not believe him? But if we say from men, we are afraid of the crowd, since they all regard John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we do not know. He said to them, then I will not tell you by what authority I do these things. So it's after that that Jesus tells these men the account of the two sons. And just as Nathan the prophet was sent to David after David had committed adultery and murder, and Nathan told him the story of the man who had the pet lamb and his rich next-door neighbor slaughters the lamb for his evening guest, and then David condemned the man for slaughtering that lamb, not realizing he just condemned himself. So Jesus, the master of distinguishing law from gospel because he is true God, tells this story and the men themselves, as we see, end up condemning themselves, but that is so he can hold before them their need for salvation. But the story itself, if we were to tell it in modern days, it would be two kids who were couch potatoes, right? They're sitting there playing video games. And Dad says, Can you turn off the TV for a minute? Oh, oh, no, no, oh, get out of the way. Oh, boy. And so today, as we walk through this text, I will ask you, what kind of couch potato are you in God's kingdom? And so our text begins where Jesus says, what do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go to work today in my vineyard. He answered, I will not. But later he changed his mind and went. Now, we have to understand here, when the father comes to the son, who's being a couch potato, playing his video games, the word that is used in the inspired Greek language for son is not the usual word, euis, it's "techno," which is a term for endearment, most likely a child who's not past their teenage years. And the reason why I bring that out, there's really not a good translation in English for it, is This isn't a parent who goes up to a kid playing video games, beep, 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 beep. Ah, you lazy bum! The trash is stinking up the whole house! Will you get off your rear end and take it out? This is a father who comes gently. There is no fault on the father's side whatsoever. My dear child, please, go work in my vineyard. And we want to understand the vineyard is the harvest. It's God's creation. It's especially God's church. It's not a burden for us to share the good news of salvation with the world or share the law, even though the world doesn't like either message. It's not a burden. It's a privilege. And when we're in the kingdom, as you are, Then we also look out for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Just as before we began the worship service, I asked you, are there any special prayers? You were working in God's vineyard, thinking of those brothers and sisters in Christ. So the first son playing video games, do, 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 do. No, no, not now, not now, I'm not going, I'm too. He stops and, and, and thinks something along the lines of, this is my father. My father, who lovingly puts a roof over my head, food on the table, clothes on my back, and pays the electrical bills for my video games. It's a privilege to get to do this. This is how I get to thank my father. And so he regrets saying I won't, and he goes out and works. Now we get to the second son. We're told he came to the second and said the same thing. Same loving invitation. But the the second son answered, I will go, sir. But he did not go. Yeah, I'll go. Just as soon as I get to a save point. Oh, man, that save point isn't coming. Oh, this is too good. I can save it. And he gets distracted. The word he uses that we translate here as sir is the same Greek word, kurios, that we use for Lord. Jesus even gives a hint who the father is. This is God. He meant, well, yeah, I'll go work. But he got distracted. He never did it. Now I'm asking you, which one of these couch potatoes are you? And the reason why I ask that is because we all begin, we are all conceived with a sinful nature. Left to our own devices, we will sit on the couch and keep playing that video game. And do you know what the video game is? It's the distractions this world has to offer. Because we all need a roof over our head. We all need food on our table. We all need clothes on our back. We all need companionship. There are a lot of things like that. And those things will distract us to the point that we completely forget about our relationship with God and completely ignore the need to work in God's kingdom, the privilege to work in God's kingdom. So left on our own, that's where we're at. What gets us off the couch? God sends somebody with the law. You stay on that couch, you're going to get bed sores. You've got to get off. But it doesn't end there. God sends somebody to tell us the trash of your sin doesn't just stink up your life in God's nostrils. It is terrible. But... Jesus Christ became your big brother and he took the trash out for you. Your sins are forgiven, paid in full. It is then that we are brought to regret sitting on that couch. Oh, we don't go and work in God's kingdom because we have to. Of course, our new man is built to do that. He naturally does it. We do it because we see the privilege and you know, it's not always easy to proclaim the law to somebody, especially a brother or sister in Christ. You are stuck in the sin and you are going to drive the Holy Spirit out of your heart. Sometimes they don't take that so well. But even still, it's a privilege to save them. And we really get to see that privilege when we get to share the blood of Christ. When they repent and we say, Jesus Christ has removed that sin as well. You are my brother. You are my sister. How amazing that is to get to work in his kingdom. But even after we've been brought to faith, God has to give us that new man, we still, we'll get distracted. We'll go right back to playing those video games. Yeah, I'll work in your kingdom all over. Ooh, I was really enjoying that game. That's the sinful nature. And you know, some of the ways in which, even after being brought to faith, some of the ways in which we, we will constantly want to go sit back on the couch is the sinful nature of wanting to play boss. Like a spoiled, rotten teenager going, Mom! Soda! Some a meatloaf. I'm hungry. We can be bossy with other Christians, can't we? Hey, come on, you serve me. We forget that, that working in God's kingdom is actually serving our neighbors out of love because we have been freed. We have been made family, so we are free to serve. Now, some of the other ways in which we don't even realize we're getting bossy is the somebody ought to. Somebody ought to do this in our congregation. Somebody ought to do that. And and it's one thing to see a need and say, let's plan and see which one of us has the gifts, but it's another thing just to play the somebody ought to, and I'm not going to lift a finger to help with it. But I've often said, and I've seen it, one of the most destructive forces that has ever come is not the nuclear bomb. It's the, that's somebody else's problem. You know what I'm talking about? Something's going on and and, and the old sinful nature wants to be a couch potato and it says, yeah, I see the problem, but it's somebody else's problem. It's not gonna be mine. It's amazing how often things don't get done with the old, that's somebody else's problem. We can forget even evangelism, that when we have visitors in church, especially in a time like the COVID crisis we're having, people are lonely. People ache to be touched and, and we certainly don't wanna be passing on the virus But it can mean so much to somebody simply to say, hello, how are you doing? You are showing God's love when you do that. That's getting off the couch. That's the new man at work. Of course, sometimes we can also lose that and want to return back to the couch again and say, somebody else ought to say hello. But when we pick that up, and again, that takes, again, God coming to us. God coming to us and giving us the new man who just does not want to be on that couch any longer. What kind of couch potato are you? Obviously, you are here listening to the word of God, which is in fact one of the ways in which we work in the kingdom. And lots of times because God just built our new man to do that, we forget that among our families... We are laboring in God's vineyard. Some of the greatest evangelism work that ever takes place is parents raising their children up in the word of the Lord. But we even forget that at work. With your new man, you show people at work God's love. And when they develop a trust for you, they begin to figure out something's different with you. And when they start having life problems, they come to you. And that because you've been showing God's love through your new man, you're already off the couch Then you have the door opened up to start sharing the Savior when they come to you. You're the first son. You began with the sinful nature. We all don't want to get off the couch, but God brought you to faith. And now we regret being a couch potato. And we often don't even realize how much God has blessed us for the work our new man is doing. One of the greatest works that we do in the field of God begins with simply hearing the word of God so that we have the law applied to us and we have the good news of salvation in Christ applied to us. But then when that's in place, as we're nourished, it's like a battery charger. We're able to go out and share that with the world. You will never run out of sharing the good news of salvation in Christ. Now, of course... The chief priests and the elders were the second son. I will go. But they didn't. And so Jesus says in verse 31, Which of the two did the will of his father? They said to him, the first. Jesus said to them, Amen, I tell you, the tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of heaven ahead of you. What? A prostitute? A prostitute's entering the kingdom of heaven? And I, a chief priest, am not? They were the second son. The tax collectors and the prostitutes were the first son who were playing the video games of self-service in this world, of looking out for themselves, never mind God's will, but they had regretted it. I love the way this is stated in the Greek. It's said in the present tense. Not you guys are never going to be in the kingdom of heaven, but one by one, tax collectors and prostitutes are entering it ahead of you. You're not entering it, but that doesn't mean that they can't ever enter it. Jesus here is showing them their sin so that they will have the invitation to enter it. He explains further for them. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, but you did not believe him. However, the tax collectors and prostitutes did believe him. Even when you saw this, you did not change your mind and believe him. Now, the Greek word used there for change your mind is regret. It's the same word for the, for the first son who regretted not working in God's kingdom. Literally, our Greek lesson there says, And after you yourselves saw, you didn't even later regret it, resulting in believing in him. That was one of the key things John did. John was the forerunner to the Lord. He came with a strong proclamation of the law to show people they needed a Savior. And when the tax collectors and the prostitutes and the Roman soldiers, etc., came to him and said, What should we do? The law had done its work. It plowed their hearts open so that they knew they needed a Savior. And John then shared with them, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And when they come to faith, they said, What should we do now? In the case of tax collectors, stop being legal thieves. Collect what's required, but don't be lining your own pockets. In the case of prostitutes, That's not a profession that glorifies God. Uh, And so they would change what they were doing. The soldiers were told not to strong arm the people they were supposed to protect. They came to faith. They saw that they needed a savior. God gave them the faith that they had a savior. And they changed their life out of thanks. This is how one of the many ways they worked in their father's vineyard. But we are told, like, for example, in the Gospel of John, that some of these chief priests, that the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they came to John, but they thought, you know, he's baptizing people. And just in case there's something to this, I'll go ahead. I'll go through the motions and just get baptized. And then I'll have all my bases covered. What was John's message for them? It was still strong law. You brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath. They did not trust that Jesus was the Savior, as we see when they come to Jesus, asking him by whose authority he does this. Now, the really sad thing is, is you look at like the chief priests. Every day they had the privilege when the temple gates were opened, the first sacrifice of the day, that lamb that was slaughtered to uh, atone for the sins of Israel for the night. They should have connected those dots. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That Lamb in the morning was pointing to Christ. Same thing happened at night, right right before they closed the temple gates. They had the privilege. They went through the motions. Imagine being told, all the work you're doing, it's not for the kingdom of God. You're actually staying on the couch. I'm going to trust in my own righteousness, not in Christ's righteousness. Until they would come to faith, they would not be told the message, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away your sins and has taken them away. Now recall, these men are part of the group that are plotting Jesus' murder, and they will, at least in their eyes, think they succeed Friday. You and I know that Sunday he will rise. And some of them will eventually re- regret what they did. Some of them will get to be told Behold the Lamb of God who has taken away your sins and takes away the sin of the world. True repentance is having the law rip your heart open so that you recognize you need a Savior. Not the kind of thing like when I was a kid and I got in trouble and I was told, Say you're sorry or you're going to stick your nose in the corner the rest of the day. "Oh, Oh yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Because I didn't want the punishment. Oh, you're going to hell. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They weren't just saying, I'm sorry. I'm going to avoid. So in order to avoid hell, because they were promised a savior, true repentance means we recognize our sin, but we also recognize that Jesus has saved us. And that puts a change in our heart because we have the new man. And so we recognize Christ's authority as true God who became true man and saved us. Jesus preaches this lesson to warn those men so that they would not end up in hell, although most probably did. I begin this question asking you, what kind of couch potato are you? We all begin stuck to the couch. I've already told you, you are the first son who, in your sinful nature, said no, but then, because the Holy Spirit worked in your heart, you were led to repentance and faith, so you respect Christ's authority. And that includes his authority to remove your sins and commission you as a priest to work in his vineyard, his kingdom. Amen. Now he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Amen. We confess our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray. Lord God, maker and preserver, we praise and thank you for all that you give us day after day. We are not worthy of all the mercies you show us. You have given us your precious word to nourish our souls and to protect us from the temptation of the devil, the world, and our sinful nature. We thank you for those who teach and preach your saving truth at this place and everywhere. Grant them a rich measure of patience, wisdom, and love. Heavenly Father, we pray that you shield us from every kind of danger, sudden catastrophe, terrors of crime, and the pain of disease. Watch over those who travel by land, sea, and air. Keep our loved ones from whatever perils may threaten them. Heal those who are sick, cheer those who are sad, calm those who are distressed, and comfort all who are old and infirm. Bless our land, our people, and those who hold offices of high trust. Keep our government and schools upright and strong for the advancement of good citizenship and useful vocations, that we may enjoy your gifts of peace, security, and well-being. Grant Grant your your blessing blessing to every nation nation on on earth. earth. May there there be peace. Where there there is hatred, let it be healed. Where where there there is is poverty or danger danger, or disaster, disaster, come with your almighty power to help and restore. We thank you, Lord, that in our natural condition we were couch potatoes, but you have given us your Holy Spirit and given us the privilege of working in your vineyard. Help us to share your law and gospel with our family, our friends, and those around us, that they too may know your love and be encouraged by it. Hear us, Lord, as we bring you our private petitions. We bring these requests before you in the name of Jesus, our Lord, and ask you to hear us. Take all that we have, our bodies and minds, our time and skills, our ministries and offerings, and use them to your glory. We give ourselves to you that we may serve you in whatever way is pleasing in your sight. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Live in harmony with one another and serve the Lord with gladness. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace.